Thank you, Rich and Anna. Happy New Year. Just uh, I, just some great hymns. Rich and I were praying beforehand, and we hadn't coordinated. And uh, it's just neat to see how the Lord works uh, in the songs that, that Rich picked out here and the message that we have here. I've spoken a couple times in the, the new year, mostly in Sunday school. We talked about uh, making goals, having goals for the new year. And we had some practical application of not just sitting what we think of like work and social goals or maybe health goals, but also spiritual goals for the year. So I want to encourage you to do that. That's not what the message is on this morning, but I want you to encourage you to have some spiritual goals for the year. And I I'd encourage you to do something beyond uh, just, I'll say, reading through the Bible. I know a lot of the believers here read through the Bible every year. Maybe one of the things you can think about is memorizing a certain passage of scripture, I'll tell you I had that as a goal last year and I did not make it, but it was still a goal and it was something I was working towards. I know that our spiritual growth is God working in us, but there is a part of us being prepared to be used by God, preparing the soil of our hearts to be used by him for growth. So I want to encourage you in that way to be thinking of ways you can prepare your your hearts uh, for the spiritual seeds to grow in each and every one of us. Today, uh, I'd like to remind us in the new year of an old commission. So turn with me to Matthew uh, chapter 28. And uh, fortunately or unfortunately this morning, you are getting a message that I'm kind of preaching to myself, or I am preaching to myself, really, and that's the advantage of having an uh, open topic is really it's a topic that's something that's important to you. Um, we call this the, the Great Commission. I called it the Old Commission in opening up, but it's, uh, I was thinking, like, what is a commission? We really don't use that, that phrase. So a, a commission is an instruction, command, or duty given to a person or group of people. So we can see here... Uh, In this passage, we have the commission given directly to the 11 disciples. I say 11 because, uh, unfortunately, Judas is no longer with them. But it's not just to the 11 disciples, is it? It's to us today. These verses are applicable to us. And so we pick up where they've left off and those before us have left off in this commission that Jesus has given Where I'm going this morning, by way of outline or the four points, I'm going to talk about the preparation of the disciples. And then the question I'm going to ask you, and uh, what preparation should we or you be making in the the new year? Uh, We have the, the promise by Jesus of his power being present. The commission itself... And then I want us to think about what does the Great Commission mean for us in 2023? And lastly, the promise by Jesus of his presence. Let's read through the the passage here this morning. Matthew chapter 28, um, starting in verse 16. I'll read through verse 20. I'm reading out of the NASB version. It says this, But the eleven disciples proceeded to Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had designated, When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some were doubtful. 
And Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I command you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the age. Let's just ask the Lord's blessing on this. Father, we, we thank you for your word. Thank you for um, providing it to us. Help it not to be a hindrance to us that we have it so readily available, but help it to be something that it, it inspires us to grow closer to you. Father, help me this morning. Help my, the words of my mouth to be the words that you want, the words that uh, we need to hear here this morning. We know that your word is profitable for all things. And so we thank you that you've given it to us. Help us uh, as we look to start a new year and in some ways a, a fresh year in, in serving you. Help us in our, in our thoughts as we um, and, and our planning for this year. And just uh, thank you for your presence with us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so first, the the preparation by the disciples. I want to emphasize here this morning, as you look at the Great Commission, that the, the disciples were not stagnant in this commission. It required preparation from them in belief, demonstrated in their actions. I say that because it says here that they had to, my version says, proceed to Galilee. They had to go to a different place. Remember, they were in Jerusalem uh, where Jesus was crucified. And they had to go to a place where Jesus had designated. And this may seem like a, a small thing that they, they went to Galilee, but uh, it shows their belief not only in what Jesus told them, but also in what the angels spoke of in earlier in this chapter. In verse 5, we have the angel saying to the women of Matthew 28, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus, who is crucified. He is not here. He has been risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he was lying. Go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead, and behold, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. And behold, I have told you. So they had to have belief. Belief that he rose from the dead. Belief to go to Galilee. So they prepared in, in going. James 2.17 says, Even so faith, if it has no works, is dead, being by itself. So we can see that their faith was demonstrated in their works, their actions. And I guess I want to challenge us this morning and say, do our actions demonstrate our belief? There are many um, actions that are asked of us in the Bible, but just as we believe of what's to come, one that I've just been thinking about because we just went through Second Peter. Second Peter 3.11 says this, since all these things, everything around us, are to be destroyed, 
In this way, what sort of people ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hastening the coming day of God? So if we believe that this world will be destroyed by fire, we should have our actions show that in our conduct and what we're looking for. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 says this, Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses, those witnesses of those who have come before us and believe by faith, the great cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangle us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Laying aside every encumbrance, It's not necessarily sin. It's other things and the sin. And let us run. Um, Hebrews 12, 28 also has another one. It says, Therefore, since we receive a kingdom which cannot be shaken, do we believe we have a kingdom which cannot be shaken? Let us show gratitude by which we may offer offer to God an acceptable service with reverence and awe. Mm, Gratitude with God. So do our actions demonstrate our belief? Their belief was rewarded with them seeing Jesus at this time. Our our belief will be rewarded as well with not only seeing him, but being with him forever. So they had preparation. Secondly, they worshipped. The idea is that they prostrate themselves in homage. Now, there's a bunch of words here that we don't really use. Homage isn't a, a word we really use uh, unless you're thinking about the, the clothing store, right? There's a clothing store called homage. But um, homage means special honor and respect shown publicly. We just had a time when we remembered the wise men came to worship, to show special homage to Jesus as a child, offering him gifts. Let their example uh, of what they did think about how you can worship the Lord. A couple of things that I was thinking of is they came from afar. They they traveled a great distance. They had prepared for it, right? They had prepared to bring him gifts. And they diligently sought him out, even when the star that was guiding them disappeared. Do we come prepared to worship Jesus? Specifically this morning as we remember him every day. It's a a challenge maybe throughout the year that you want to think about. Did I come prepared to worship the Lord Jesus? The other thought I had is do we worship him only on Sunday? I've been trying to think of ways you can worship him throughout the week. Worship is not only on the first day of the week, but every day of the week. So just be thinking about how we can worship the Lord throughout the year, every day of the week. Now just one additional thought on worship. Worship, as described here, is exclusively to God alone. Uh, Matthew 4.10, where Satan is tempting the Lord Jesus, the Lord Jesus tells Satan that you shall worship the Lord God and Him only. And so as we think about uh, worship should be only in in the thoughts of the Lord 
himself and God alone. Even though they came prepared, that they showed in belief and that they worshiped the Lord, says here, but some were doubtful. They still had doubts. Now, I don't know about you, but I, I have doubts. Um, one of the things that came to my mind uh, was this. So uh, this is a little book. Sometimes I write some thoughts in. Um, one of the songs we sing uh, talks about sometimes mid scenes of deepest gloom. And that the, the verse ends, still tis his hand that leadeth me. Um, so here's here's some things that I wrote just to show that I have doubts. Uh, where are you leading, Lord? Sometimes it's hard to see where you are leading. Other times it's hard to trust that you are leading on the best path. But you have proven yourself faithful in the past, so I will trust you for the future. Please show me what you are doing so that I know your goodness by sight. Doubts. Sometimes our circumstances, it is hard for us to believe that God is in control or that he is a good God. We sang about that he is in control, that he is on the throne. Just think of, uh, turn with me to, to John chapter 11. I just want to think of Mary and Martha with Lazarus. Do you, do you think that they had doubts? Doubts of whether or not the Lord love Lazarus. I was just thinking of this in John eleven twenty one. Martha says this to Jesus. It's kind of an accusation. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. She had doubts. Maybe she thought she gave him enough warning to come while he was still alive. And then later they doubt Jesus' ability to raise him from the dead. Even after they have this conversation, uh, in verse 39, it says, that Jesus said to them, remove the stone. And Martha, the sister of the deceased, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be a stench, for he has been dead for four days. So there's still some, some doubts there. But do we remember the words that Jesus spoke to him? The very next verse, Jesus says to her, did I not say to you that if you believed, you will see the glory of God? You believe. Now, there's several songwriters that kind of pick up on doubts. One of them is Andrew Peterson. He has this song that is titled Always Good. And it it's in this anthology over uh, Easter. So he tries to track the events of Easter. And this song comes... On, sun, on Saturday, right? Jesus died on Friday, the day that it's, that it's silent. That there's silence and there's times to think. And he tries to imagine what the disciples felt. Could you imagine the, the doubt and disillusionment? Here's the Messiah. He's dead. He's no longer here. The one we put our trust in. And then... Andrew Peterson sings this. He says, It's hard to to know what you are doing. Why won't you tell it all plain? So he's saying this to God. But you said you come back on the third day, and Peter missed it again and again. So maybe the answer surrounds us. 
but we don't have eyes to see that you are always good. So maybe the answer surrounds us, but we don't have eyes to see. Hillary Scott also wrote a, a, a song. She, she wrote this, I know you're good, but this don't feel good right now. And I know you think of things I could never think about. It's hard to count it all joy, distracted by the noise, by just trying to make sense of all your promises. Sometimes I got to stop, remember that you're God, and I am not. So doubts are real. Belief is the enemy of doubt. We all need to be reminded from time to time that God is good and in control. He wants what's best for us, even if what we are going through doesn't feel good. We see the disciples prepared, right? Prepared by going and worshiping. And I'll ask you again, what preparation are you making to be used by God in 2023? I want you to see these actions by the disciples are small. They're not grand. They're not big. We don't need to do anything grand or make a big, some big plans. Um, you just need to be prepared to be used by God. And maybe you're afraid and doubt. We see that the disciples doubt it. But here, Jesus doesn't let his disciples focus on their doubts. He gives them encouragement as he does us, by giving us a promise. A promise that his power, that he has power and he is in control of all things. If you turn back to Matthew 28, he says this, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. In other words, I'm in control of all things, he tells his disciples. What great comfort this this would give them to know that he is in control of all things they already saw his power demonstrated on earth uh, through his life and now he has this resurrected body he says all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth uh, the writer of hebrews um, explains this a little further so hebrews chapter 2 verses 5 through 9 For he, that is God, did not subject the angels to the world to come, concerning which we are speaking. But one testifies somewhere, saying, What is man that you remember him, or the son of man that you are concerned about him? You have made him for a little while lower than the angels. You have crowned him with glory and honor, and have appointed him over the works of your hands. You have put all things in subjection under his feet. For in subjection, subjecting all things to him, he left nothing that is not subject to him. But now we do not see all things subject to him, but we do see him, that is Jesus, who is made a little lower than the angels, namely Jesus, because of the suffering of of death, crowned with glory and honor, so that by grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. We do not see everything put in subject under his feet, but we know it's true. As a faith, we see Jesus, and here they saw him and understood 
eyes of faith that this promise that Jesus gave that he, he has power or authority over all things was true. So now the commission, the commission he gave his disciples, sometimes called the Great Commission. There are four actions in this commission that he tells his disciples to do. First one is to go. Second one is to make disciples. Third one is to baptize. Last one is to teach. So we'll go through each of those here. First is go. It means to traverse or to travel. I'll tell you that I I tended to think of this as a calling to be exclusive for mission service. And that's not true. I I think sometimes we get caught in that that trap of thinking when, when we hear the word go, as it means going to another country or another people group to spread the gospel. I think it's much smaller than that. If you think about the opposite of go is to stay, to not move. Um, and so I'll ask you, as, as part of this commission, are we expecting people to be dropping to where we're at, or are we going to them? Too often we, we wait for opportunities to arise, to share Christ, instead of making the opportunity doesn't have to be across the world or to a new country or, you know, even to a strange people group. I think of our, our two brothers, in, uh, the two college brothers that are here, Zebediah and Yoanu, and their ministry to the other college students where they just have conversations uh, about Christ. Think about that. They're making an opportunity to talk about Christ with others. Are we doing the same? So for me, I put, am I at work looking for opportunities to give God glory for helping me? Christians are called to be the light of the world. We're called to be a light to this dark world, to to point others to Christ. Now that doesn't mean it won't have its troubles. Right? The world hated Jesus, and it will hate us as well. Jesus spoke very plainly to his disciples about this in John chapter 15 in verse 18 through 21. This is this, if the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. But because you were not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, because of this the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a slave is no greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours as well. But all of these things they will do to you for, the, for my name's sake, because they do not know the one who sent me. Now, hate is such a, a strong word in our English language. In fact, it's probably politically incorrect to say that you hate someone today. Um, but I, I looked up the definition, and it, it's, uh, it means to feel intense or passionate dislike for someone or something. And the, the Greek word meseo also has that idea of to detest, which means to dislike intensely, or by extension, to love less. Sometimes we don't feel that uh, intention and passionate dislike from those of this world, but we do feel that they love us less. I guess what I want to get across this morning is it's not easier to be easy to be a follower of Christ. We should not expect unicorns and rainbows all the time. 
think sometimes we do. We think it's going to be, everything's going to be great. But think about how you can go where you're at to a dark and dying world. The second action is to make disciples. So first we have to define what is a, a disciple. A disciple is one who is a follower or student of a teacher, leader, or philosopher. The Greek word means interversely to become a pupil, transversely a disciple, that is to enroll as a scholar. And I like that word as a scholar. Um, and I'd like just to think about that because the reason why I like it is because when I think of a scholar, a scholar is someone who is studying, right? Studying to, to know it, uh, to be able to teach it to others. And so I'll ask you this morning, are you enrolled as a scholar Are you studying the Word of God, preparing to study the Word of God in a way that you're able to teach it to others? Are you continually learning from the Master? I have Master capitalized. The Master is not us, right? We are not called to make disciples of ourselves, but of Jesus Christ. He is the one we are following. Now, Paul and Barnabas believed disciple-making was important. Because in Acts 14.21, we read this, after they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many, many disciples. So they have this, they have emphasis on making disciples. Jesus also emphasized the importance of discipleship. In Matthew 13.52, it's kind of a, um, a different passage, kind of difficult to understand, but in this passage, and maybe I'll read it for, for us, uh, Matthew thirteen fifty two. it says this, And Jesus said to them, and that's to the disciples, Therefore every scribe who, be, who has become a disciple of the kingdom of heaven is like a head of a household who brings out his treasure, things new and old. So in this passage, Jesus calls his disciples to be scribes and disciples, disciple being the, the, the part of living out, to the, to the resulting impact that they would be like heads of houses. Uh, you know, in the Old Testament, they called out the men who were the heads of houses. Um, the heads of houses who were not only to there to protect their houses or the treasure of their house, but also to bring it out for others, Right? And the, the thought of there's things new and old, some have suggested that that refers to the new and old testament here to bring out the treasures that are in the new and old testament. Warren Risby says this means that disciples should discover the truth of God's word, do the truth of God's word, and dispense the truth of God's words. He states that the scribe emphasizes learning, but the disciple emphasizes living. It is difficult to keep our lives in balance. We often emphasize learning at the expense of living. Or we may get so busy serving God that we do not take the time to listen to his word. Every scribe must be a disciple, and every disciple must be a scribe. It's Warren Wearsby's words. John Headley has similar thoughts, and he says, Disciples should keep the word pure in exposition, They should seek to pass it on to others, and they should ensure that its standards are maintained in their own lives. 
and service, as well as in the lives of others with whom they may be placed in spiritual matters. So discipleship is important. So why is it important? Um, J.T. English has this uh, a book he's written about true discipleship. That's the title of the book. But he gives uh, three, three definitions of discipleship that I think really uh, helps me think about this. It says this, discipleship is a redirection, a redirection of our loves to the one who is lovely. Let me read that again. Discipleship is a redirection of our loves to the one who is lovely. We all have loves, things that we care about, things that aren't in themselves bad. Uh, maybe it's your children, your grandchildren. Maybe it's ministry. Uh, maybe it's some material thing you, you like. But if we love them more than the Lord Jesus, that is a problem. Discipleship helps us focus on the one who is lovely. Rich Mullins has a song that he sings. He says, you're my one, one thing. You're my one thing, talking about the Lord. So discipleship redirects our loves to the one who is lovely. Secondly, according to Jesus, discipleship is about self-denial. All of our own little kingdoms need to crumble and be crucified if the kingdom of God is going to reign in our lives. Discipleship helps us deny self and build for God. We all have our, sometimes our little kingdoms that we try to build, but as we read what discipleship really is, about following the Lord Jesus, it's about self-denial, to denying our own little kingdoms. In fact, the Lord in Philippians 2 shows how he humbled himself, he denied himself certain things. We should follow his example. Lastly, he says, discipleship is about being a learner of Jesus, and the mission of Jesus was to seek and to save the lost. I'll say as we get closer to the Lord Jesus, as we're a disciple of him, it helps us love others. Here we read that Jesus told them to make disciples of all nations, not just the Jewish race. So we have this... (laughs) Uh, thought that it's for everyone. We spend a lot of time in uh, corporate culture. Uh, I'm sure others can think about this. Talking about bias, specifically unconscious bias. So unconscious bias, as they define it, is bias that you may not be aware of in your thought process. I'd say that being a disciple of Jesus Christ will help you remove these biases. Because you you see here that it's for all nations, for everyone. So I want to ask you this morning, are you a disciple of Christ? What I mean by that is, are you trying to be a, a scholar of him? Are you studying him? Uh, if If not, if you're struggling with that, have you asked someone else to disciple you? We all can learn from one another. And then if you are a disciple of Christ, are you discipling others? You know, Paul thought it was important. Do we? Do we think it's important to disciple others? Uh, We're all at different stages in our Christian walk. We should be helping one another grow to be closer like the Master, closer like the Lord Jesus Christ himself.
Thirdly, they were called to to baptize. Now, here you can see that baptism is a, a key aspect of the Christian life. Jesus was baptized. We can see that he emphasizes to his, that his disciples should continue on with that practice to those who are saved. The book of Acts emphasizes bact- baptism as one of the key ele- events that happens right after or right at salvation to the point that they both see, they seem almost as one event. So why, why is baptism so important? Neil Fraser and William McDonald say this, Baptism speaks of our identification with Christ in his death and introduces or marks the beginning of a new life, namely, his life lived out in us. Let me read that again. Baptism speaks of our identification with Christ in his death and introduces or marks the beginning of new life, namely, his life lived out in us. Romans 6 has some teaching on this. Romans 6, verse 3. Give me a second to get there. Romans 6, verse 3. Starting in verse 3, I'll read through 11. Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the, through the glory of the Father, so we, might, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have become united with him in the, in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. For he who has died is freed from sin. Now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, is never to die again. Death no longer is master over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Even so, consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Baptism is a a great picture for the believer of what the Lord has done in their lives, that they have died to sin and are raised in newness of life. If you claim to be a believer, and have not been baptized, I'd ask you what's holding you back. Think about that as we start the new year. Lastly, he asked to teach. The disciples are called to pass on the commandments of the Lord. Again, this book, the Bible, is actually proof, right? The very proof that the disciples were faithful in in his commission. We already read that Paul thought it was important to make disciples. We also know he thought it was important to teach because he wrote most of the New Testament epistles teaching to the churches. Whenever I think about teaching the next generation, this passage comes to mind in Judges 2.10 about the nation of Israel. It says, all that generation, talking about Joshua and the rest, 
also were gathered to their fathers. And there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord, nor yet work the work which he had done for Israel. That's one of the big motivations for me in teaching the next generation. I'd ask you this morning, are you prepared to teach others what you have been taught? If you feel unprepared, I would say maybe start studying or ask someone else for help on where to begin. There's other people here who maybe you like to be taught from and uh, maybe ask them how they can help you to prepare and be ready to teach others. But it's important to teach all the things that God had commanded. That's what he told his disciples to do. Lastly, now he has, we have this promise of his, Jesus of his presence. It says this in verse 20, Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. <laughs> if you think about the commission, it can be a very daunting task. <laughs> I'm supposed to go? I'm supposed to make disciples? I'm supposed to baptize? I'm supposed to teach? This is, this is too much. Uh, yet we have this. This is low. One, he, he tries to, that, that word low or behold, a.k.a. telling the disciples, pay attention, wake up. Uh, you know, it's okay. Uh, don't think about what I just told you. Think about this. You're not alone. I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. That end of the age phrase uh, is one in Matthew, especially in Matthew 13, where he thinks about that. To the end of time, really, I would say, is kind of a general rendering of that. And so he is with us and with those even beyond us, right? To the end of, of time. And just kind of in summary, William McDonald's draws attention to, to, the, to the four alls connected to the Great Commission. The four alls, all authority, right? What I've called the, the power that Jesus has. All nations, it's for everyone. All things, Right? They're supposed to teach them all things, and he will be with us always. So just as we begin this new year, let's think about the preparation the disciples had and think about what preparation we're making in the new year to prepare our hearts to grow. Remember that the promise of his power, we don't drive the ministry he does. So we don't have to worry about where the power is coming from. As we think about the commission and what it means for us in 2023, think about how you can go where you are to a dark and dying world. Think about are we making disciples for Christ? And then baptizing. If you haven't been baptized and you're a believer, think about what's holding you back. And as we prepare to teach others, 
what you have been taught. Have you, are you prepared to do that, to teach others what you have been taught? And then remember that we are not alone. He is with us. So we have his power and his presence with us to help us with this. We're so thankful for that this morning. So as we think about in the new year, this old uh, commission, let's think about how we can continue to faithfully serve the Lord Jesus Christ in 2023. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you for uh, just the... (laughs) giving us clear instruction. Thank you that you did not make it that it was dependent on us. That you give the power. That you are with us. And so, we look to you for help. Help us just to be preparing ourselves in small ways to be used of you in this upcoming year. Thank you for your care for each one of us and care for uh, those who are strangers to to your uh, family. Pray this in Jesus' name, amen.